Welcome to another episode of Be Here Now. I am your host, Bridget Mitchell, and I so greatly appreciate you for following me along on this podcast uh, adventure. It's been super fun recording these with people that I care about and people that I am wanting to get to know a little bit more. And I'm so grateful to have created a space for those conversations. Um, So yeah, uh, this episode, (laughs) oh my gosh, I really enjoyed the recording of this episode, but the editing, I swear to God, I haven't had an issue with editing an episode at all, but this one gave me a run for my money. It, I don't even know. It, uh, it was user error. I was a little bit too far away from my mic and Sean, I had turned his like mic all the way up and then I lost the two separate audio files and I only had a file of them together. And so I had to like manually go in and try and level out our, um, our voices it took me a very long time. So I apologize if the audio is kind of all over the place. I've listened to it a bunch and I think it's pretty evened out. So it's not going to blast your eardrums if you're listening with headphones, but I did my best (laughs) and, um, that's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect in order for it to be wonderful. So I met Sean on his podcast called conversations with strangers And yes, it's exactly what you think it is. I walked up to him in the park and we had what I think was a really good conversation. And if you want to listen to that, you can find it on all podcast platforms. And my episode with him was on November 22nd. So you can find it labeled as 11-22 and then it's like conversations with strangers or something. Um, angel numbers, (laughs) but I recommend listening to his other episodes as well because he gets quite a lot of interesting guests and he has a really good heart about it. So definitely recommend that. And then you can find him on Instagram at junior underscore varsity underscore. But on my episode, Be Here Now, Sean opens up about his complex journey with an eating disorder and psoriasis and we discuss what treatment looked like for him. And this segued into talking about body image and dating and all the tea and hot takes that come with these two intertwined topics. And I really enjoyed this part of the conversation. It opened my eyes in different ways. And it's like these are the conversations that I want to have because they're a little bit difficult. And that's where growth happens and that's where a new perspective, that's where you're able to gain a new perspective and new level of understanding. So it was very interesting for me to get a male perspective on these things as well as having him just share his story because it's a pretty good one. So I hope you enjoy listening to this episode and I appreciate you. I am grateful for you. This is Be Here Now. You're doing the dad thing where you like look around my like <laughs> apartment. And you're like just making observations. <laughs> okay. Checks, checks out. All right, we're recording. We're on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Hello, everyone. Um, today I'm joined with a 
interesting guest. Uh, no, he's really cool. Um, th- we have just an interesting story. So I'll let you introduce yourself, and then I'll tell everyone how we met. Okay. <laughs> My name is Sean, Sean Erickson. Uh, I'm from Seattle, and I have been, as of the middle of last year, traveling down from Seattle, down the West Coast, and then over to Austin, and then started doing a podcast of my own called Conversations with Strangers, and that's where we met. Yes, so I met Sean at the park um, in November, and I just like saw his stand, and I was like, I want to do that. I want to see what's up with that. So I went and sat down, and we talked for like a long time, um, and part of our conversation was eating disorders and that was something that we had in common and I thought that was really interesting because I have never met a guy that has been I mean I've met guys that have issues with eating and with like um with body image and stuff but no one talks about it and I think that's because of the stigma and all of that and so I thought that was really cool that you were really open um yeah you were just like oh me too like I have that and I was like wait hold on you just threw me for a loop there like I had I was not prepared for that um but yeah so you have conversations with strangers but mm-hmm. your like brand name is junior varsity it just got rebranded again today did you see that no i didn't oh <laughs> we just went back we changed the whole thing to conversations with strangers uh-huh. but then as of today it changed it back to junior varsity why so, junior varsity uh it's basically it just like oh you're not good enough for varsity 100 percent. yeah <laughs> me, and, me and my buddy we started back in seattle and we're like yeah we're, we just want to be like not super Average. professional and we're like low-key yeah yeah that's our story okay yeah i had a feeling it was something like that mm-hmm. um jv's where it's at though like screw varsity you don't for real anyway. you're for real you're it's more fun less pressure <laughs> more fun less pressure um, so yeah, I want to have you on because you have an interesting story mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I mean, everyone that I know that has been open about like eating disorders and body dysmorphia and all of that have been women. And I know that it's just as prevalent with men, um, but it's not talked about as much. And so I... Yeah, I just want you to have the opportunity to share your story, and um, I think that it could be eye-opening to the guys that listen to my podcast, whether they're like, I don't want to, why did In the Closet come from? <laughs> <laughs> Not like, it's, it's a thing. I mean, like, In the Closet with their, like, eating issues, um, because we're all human, and I said this on my podcast that went live today, but, like, we're all human having a human experience, and at the end of the day, it, what what it comes down to is who you are as a person and what you stand for and those things have nothing to do with what you look like what you weigh your bmi blah 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 like it just doesn't um life is so much more than that so with that being said i would (laughs) i want to like dive into this and um yeah so can you give some background to like eating disorders or body image and then i'll kind of pick it from there where we go. My, like my experience with it? Yeah, yeah. So like your eating disorder story, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let me try to put in like a very good storm, story format. Um, what was it? So back when I was in college, um, started about sophomore year of college, I 
I was always like very self-conscious of my image in various different ways as you know a lot of people are and then it sort of manifested mostly in acne acne was like my number one thing and I was super concerned about like how many pimples I had and what my face looked like and all that kind of shit and then I uh, I was like super lonely in college didn't have many very many friends or anything and I was kind of I mean in retrospect probably looking for ways to like improve my appearance to hope for like a more enjoyable social life mm-hmm. um and i started learning more about food and how food changes the way your body shapes or body looks and everything in different <laughs> ways i wasn't so much concerned about like i mean i guess i was concerned about like my body shape and like how strong i was how muscular i was whatever it was mainly but mostly about acne and so i started cutting out certain things that i had learned through the internet predominantly about like avoiding sugars avoiding grains avoiding all these different things and I tried out like it started with just cutting out a few things and then eventually I was just like removing all sorts of things from my diet and seeing little sort of positive reinforcement results from it and so I continued doing it my sister we've talked about this before is a uh, nutritionist, dietitian, and so. Do you not call her a nutritionist? She's I don't know. A dietitian. Dietitian. She's a dietitian, <laughs> but she studied like dietitian. Like the official like thing. Okay, so she's a dietitian. That's true. That's true. <laughs> she's gonna smack you if she heard you. Yeah, call it her she might. She might. But um, I kept on posing all these questions to her, like, is it bad if I eat, you know, ketchup with added sugar in it? Will that make me break out more? Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And she kind of Im- immediately, her response was like, Whoa, okay, that's you're going a little bit too deep in the rabbit hole of health and nutrition and diet and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I kept going with it. Um, And then fast forward a little ways, um, after cutting out a bunch of stuff, I started to notice a change in my poop. So fun stuff there. Um, My, I was like pooping way less regularly and with smaller amounts. I wasn't even aware of it at the time, but these are things I noticed looking back. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it kind of progressed into about two years later, it's probably about junior year of college or something like that. Um, I just like became fully constipated. So I would go like two, three days without having a bowel movement and it became a concern and like a health risk kind of thing. And there was like this whole summer where I had all these constipation issues and I was going to various different doctors and naturopaths and whatever, trying to figure out if it was diet related and I would self medicate or self diagnose or whatever with different foods to see if that would help. I was like, oh, it must be fiber. Oh, it must be like this and that and that. And so I would change my diet even more and make it even more restrictive. Um, people didn't, none of the professionals really said much about my diet other other than actually like promoting eating certain ways. Mm. Um, so they, there were no, they didn't catch any red flags of like, oh, this dude's cutting out 30 different foods that he probably shouldn't be cutting out. Yeah. They were even like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Seems like you're already like on a good path. You're really oh trying to like, God. you're like doing the anti-inflammatory thing and you're cutting out certain things that could, or they would like prescribe more fiber in my diet and shit like that. Uh-huh. And it kind of reached a crescendo with this one naturopath who down in Eugene, Oregon, she just basically prescribed, she like said I had candida overgrowth, mm. like all sorts of other gut bacteria things. Um, and so she put me on this very extreme diet that was basically like hyper keto diet and my body kind of died for like two weeks and I had no energy and I like, couldn't walk to class. Um, and I was just like, I like smelled bad and there's all this fucking weird shit. Die off yeah. Symptoms. Die off symptoms. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. It's getting better. Um, and it was horrible. And then fast forward even more a few months after that, I stayed on that extreme diet for a while thinking it was going to improve, which it 
very minimally did as far as like constipation stuff. Um, and then it was like holidays coming back from college, like uh, Thanksgiving, met up with a bunch of family members and everything. We have our usual big old, you know, meal. The big old, the big old Thanksgiving dinner thing. <laughs> and I started to realize I was like craving super hard all these desserts and everything. And even just certain things like stuffing, which I wouldn't be able to eat normally. And everything I couldn't eat, I was craving stronger than I'd ever had before. And I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy how much I'm like dying for these foods right now. And I told myself the whole week I wasn't going to eat anything. I was like preparing for this Thanksgiving meal, being like, holy shit, there's going to be so much stuff that I can't eat, but I want to eat. And all I'm going to be able to eat is the turkey. Mm-hmm. We have like a turkey only dinner. And so it was like socially embarrassing. And mm-hmm. also in my head, I was like super conflicted. But then I ended up um, finishing the meal and I was like, all right, fuck it. And then I just ate like fucking many, many bowls of ice cream and pie and like all the stuff that I technically was not supposed to. Mm-hmm. And then I just like left the table, went down, sat on the couch and I was just like, my head was spinning. I thought I was going to puke everywhere. And it was like the first binge, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. Um, and I didn't tell anybody. I like nobody knew what I was doing. I was kind of like hiding it, going back for like bowl after bowl after bowl. And I went back to college and went back on the diet thing again. And then, in retrospect, again, started finding myself on YouTube watching, like, videos of people eating extreme amounts of food. Like, this, this, it was crazy. I can relate. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> like dude. Like, 10,000 calories. In one meal, in yeah. In one meal, or, yeah, 10,000 calories in a day. That's a fucking lot, now that I'm, like, thinking about it. Yeah, I don't even know, like, what calories necessarily look like, but people eating massive amounts of food can create this weird surge in your brain. That's like a dopamine release or some shit. Mm. Um, and then, so I kept on all these diets and kept obsessing about food more and more and more and more and more and more. Um, and then I started a series of like binges when I would come, when I came back from college for some summer break or some shit. And like when everyone went to sleep, I'd go up, to our kitchen in my family's house and just like grab whatever I had told myself I wasn't going to eat mm-hmm. and then just finish the whole damn thing and like eat way more than I mm-hmm. was, you know, normally you would want to eat because it would just make me sick as fuck. Next day, I'd like fast. Am mm-hmm. I allowed? I'm allowed to swear, right? Yeah, you can swear. I don't care. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, probably should ask that before. You've already said it like 10 times. Damn, so really? At this point, oh, I just shit. keep going. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I'd get pretty sick. And then fast or whatever, or try to be more extreme the next day. It's like a classic. Mean eating the next day. Yes. Like you're making up for it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's like, it's a very classic cycle in terms of eating disorders. Um, and my sister started to get concerned because she was in, like, she actually was a, um, she was a master's program for dietetics, nutrition. Don't know the exact words. That's, no, that's right. That's correct. Some, okay. <laughs> and she was, she was actually working at an eating disorder program at the time for her internship or whatever and she was like sean you should uh you should probably go like get checked out for eating disorder stuff this is a little concerning mm. and i just started to resent her for that because i was like i'm Fuck taking you yeah i was like <laughs> I, you don't understand what it's like like my my gut is so messed up mm. i gotta do all the stuff to fix my gut so i can get back and like i was like pooping is so extreme or so necessary for your health mm-hmm. and if you're not doing it it's a huge sign of your there's something wrong with your internal symbiosis so I kind of pushed her away for a long time 
And then... How old were you when this was all happening? Or like um, what years of college? I think it was about junior year and senior year of college. Okay. And then um, kind of once I graduated and came back, that's when the binging got pretty extreme. And it happened pretty often. Um, and then I was like, all right, this is, this is actually is a problem. So I read a book called Brain Over Binge. Mm. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to teach myself how to get over this. And then <laughs> the book predominantly was about like uh, breaking the pattern in your brain. So it's brain over binge. Mm-hmm. And so it took a very like intellectual approach to eating disorders. And there was a lot of, there's a lot of aspects of it that are kind of OCD related because I would just like think about all day looking forward to like every meal and the mm-hmm. next meal and like the most at risk meal basically and try to prevent a binge. And then when I got there, it would happen. Yeah. So it's like early in the day, I'd have the most control by the end of the day. I'd be like, fuck it. Mm. Let's just, let's just binge. Um, <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. No. I'm laughing because <laughs> I've fucking been there. Like I've been there. Literally. I would start my day with celery juice and I'd be like, Oh, oh yeah, this is great. Like I'm, I'm setting myself up for success. And then like midday, it'd be like, cool, salad. And then it'd be like dinner time, like Oreos, fucking pasta, and all the things that just make me ill. And yeah, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> and little little do you know at the time also that you're kind of starving your body from mm-hmm. a, like a macronutrient level by eating celery juice and a salad yep. for lunch. Yeah. Like you, you are, your body is physiologically going to want to binge. At the end, yeah, because it's like, okay, you didn't give me carbs all day. You didn't give me protein all day. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just needs more food. Yeah. So there's like a physiological and psychological aspect that's occurring at the same time. Um, And then, so then at some point, um, I got, I had a a cyst. I was like working some random fucking office job. Um, I'm saying fucking again. (laughs) Goddamn. Uh, (laughs) And... I turned out how to like assist, right? Um, this is gonna get a little juicy, no pun intended. But um, ew, yeah, okay, yeah. But <laughs> but uh, I had a cyst on like the top of my butt crack, and it's like a common place for cysts for some reason, and it had strep bacteria in it, and that usually is the trigger for a psoriasis outbreak, guttate psoriasis, mm-hmm. which is like for the people out there, so uh, psoriasis that's like comes in little patches that cover your entire body. Um, it's an autoimmune condition. Yeah, yeah, and it become it can become very dangerous, um, because it makes your your skin produces at a rate seven times normal. So like you have constant open wounds basically, so you're prone to infection, and you lose heat for your skin constantly. Uh, so it's not good, and it's also extremely hard on your psyche when you don't know what the fuck's going on and you're covered mm-hmm. in like red leopard skin. Um, so I was super depressed and everything, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I tried to fix that with diet and I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm losing it. And you were, were you living with a roommate when all this was happening? No, or? I was living with my family at the time. Okay. Yeah. Which kind of made it worse. Cause they were like, what was their response? I mean, they thought I was obsessed with food and I was like, I'm obsessing with food because desperate, desperate times call for desperate measures. Mm-hmm. That was my kind of go-to motto. And I was also mad at them for, like, not seeing how troubling it was for me from my mm-hmm. perspective, especially when this all the skin shit happened. And I was, like, embarrassed as hell to go out in public and, like, could not socialize. I'm, not, I'm normally a pretty social butterfly, but that kind of, you know, cut the wings off of that <laughs> social butterfly. <laughs> 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 uh, 
And, uh, yeah, so then I ended up going on a pretty extreme uh, immunosuppressant drug as a result of that. As much as I didn't want to go on that, finally just kind of gave in because my parents were pressuring me to do that and family and, like, most doctors or whatever. So I did that, did, like, light therapy, all that shit, and it ended up going away, and I went on antidepressants at the pressure of family and the doctors and all that. And um, then I was like, all right, so this food thing is still here, though. Mm-hmm. The psoriasis is starting to go away, but the food thing is still here. So I went to my sister, and I was like, yo, can you give me the names of those eating disorder clinics again? Because mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to go get help because this, this shit kind of gets in the way of my life. Mm-hmm. So then I went to eating disorder camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, eating disorder camp. Dude, it's a good time. <laughs> Why did it's, you call it camp? Because it feels like camp. <laughs> it totally feels like camp. <laughs> oh god, that was really funny. I was not expecting that. Okay. <laughs> it is. It's camp. You got like a whole squad. It's a little party every day. If you're there for eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that. Yes, um, yes. I have a Brene Brown quote oh, I God. wanted to read. <laughs> Do you know who Brene Brown yeah, is? Yeah, okay. it's just like a story I'm telling myself in my head. Well, I'm more talking about like vulnerability. Okay. Um, like you just sharing that is really powerful because there are so many people that could be struggling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but vulnerability is not weakness and... Um, it's our greatest measure of courage, as Brene Brown says. And um, it's not comfortable either. So, like, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, but I wanted to talk about, like, your treatment and camp, as you <laughs> <laughs> just called it. Um, so did you just, like, go to mom and dad and be like, hey, I found this thing. I need to go to it. And they were like, cool. Or how did that happen? They were super into it. Okay, cool. They're like, hell yeah, finally. <laughs> <laughs> so what, tell us about that. How did that like come to be? Um, I mean, I just reached out. It's called the uh, Emily program in mm-hmm. Seattle. I think they have locations across the country, different spots. Um, I reached out to them and they're like, all right, come in for a initial sort of talk to see what your status is around food and everything. And so I went in. <laughs> what? No, I'm just picturing you being like, yeah, I don't eat this, 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 and this, and this. Yeah. The first, one of the first things they ask you, they're like, all right, so if we were going to, like, if you were going to come into our program and we put a plate in front of you full of all this food, um, would you eat it? And I was like, well, it depends what it is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ha, 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 classic. <laughs> <laughs> you have an eating yeah. disorder. Like, oh, great. Perfect. Um, but... Yeah, so I talked to this woman for a while, and she kind of broke down different things. And at that point, I kind of just gave in. I was like, yo, help me out. Just, I need help. So she gave me, basically, we talked for an hour or so, and then she said she recommended um, either, uh, what's it called? Like full inpatient, where you're in basically a dorm, mm-hmm. and you're getting treatment 24-7, and you're living with other people, and it's pretty extreme. Or... Partial hospitalization is called, which sounds pretty extreme, but you basically come five days a week for eight hours a day um, with a little squad, little fellow campers, and <laughs> and you show up and you, you do the whole thing five days a week, and then on the weekends, you have your weekends off, and so, but you have the option to kind of jump between the two based on how it goes, 
so I chose the partial hospitalization thing just because I was I was like all right I'm not that bad uh-huh. which I didn't think I was um so then I did that and then next week whatever I showed up um to this office building that was um right off the lake in Seattle which it's like a beautiful building you look out over the entire lake and it's sweet and there's kitchen there's um sort of different room kind of like lounge spaces that you hang out with your about eight people and there's um like therapy rooms there's the kitchen like i said um and you kind of just bounce between different rooms different points in the day and then you have different specialists come in and do like group therapy and then you'll have once a week you'll do a one-on-one with a therapist and then a one-on-one with a psychiatrist and one-on-one with a dietitian mm-hmm. so you have your kind of team that cares for you mm-hmm. and then you have Three meals a day, break or yeah, breakfast, lunch. Actually, maybe only two meals a day, and then you have snacks. Mm-hmm. You have like time certain times when you have to eat snacks, and you get points. So each, based on things you're not supposed to be looking at and measuring yourself, whether it be like calories or something, you have to reach a certain amount of points of uh, grains, protein, fats, um, vegetables, fruit, something like that, and you're prescribed basically a point system based on where you're at in your treatment and some meals are you bring your own some meals are provided through catering and stuff like that so you kind of lose your choice of what you're eating (laughs) and then at every meal you there's various different conversations that happen whether it be like check in before every meal you say what's your hunger level one through seven um and then there'll be another question about like how do you feel right now or what does the food look like or describe it in this way describe it in that way and what are emotions going on for you? And we had, it was pretty constantly you were trying to get in tune with what your emotional states were at different times in the day. Mm. Because a common theme for a lot of people with eating disorders is they're not very in tune with their actual emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, when I first showed up, I was the only dude there. And there were probably like, I don't know, 15 other, well, in my little squad, there was like seven other women or girls, women. Um, and they're like, wow, you're the first straight dude who's been in here in like a year. <laughs> I was like, sweet, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so it was a little strange at the beginning, but then it kind of became like a little family and it's cool because you're kind of all in it together and you you just kind of make dark jokes about everything. and like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's kind of like how you get through. I know that that's your humor. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's not a bad thing. I... I mean, I remember when you asked what the smiley face on my finger was. I was like, oh, yeah, it's a reminder not to kill myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you have to crack jokes like that sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about the other people that were in there. And if you knew about their disorders, were mm-hmm. you guys all kind of struggling? Because I feel like if you're eating with other people who say there's someone who is has anorexia and they don't want to eat and it's really hard for them to eat. And then you have someone who doesn't know how to not eat and like, mm-hmm. they'll just like binge. Was that a weird dynamic having people with different yeah. disorders? Super strange. Um, yeah. When, when you're at mealtime, I remember when I first showed up, I was super self-conscious. I like had my head down at the meals the entire time, just staring at my own plate. Cause mm-hmm. I was afraid to like pass any judgment on other people. Cause you know, mm-hmm. everyone in the room is super sensitive. Yeah. Some people would have like breakdowns at the table when they'd, certain food would show up on the plate. Um, there'd be some people who would just like talk nonstop and they're like super social and like 
would not shut up because like they that was like their way of getting through the meal is to just talk and talk and talk yeah so they had to like not be present with what they're doing yeah yeah yeah. and so you know the counselors or whatever would be very aware of that and would Mm -hmm. be like all right uh like jen can you please stop talking for the rest of the meal and (laughs) just focus on your food (laughs) um but yeah there were a lot of people who were very um like surprisingly okay with food and it was more about like the aftermath of eating mm-hmm. and their sort of like body image stuff. Some people were super basically like this one girl described, she was always the super picky eater growing up and mm-hmm. was always told by adults like, Oh, so-and-so like classic just eats like a bird or whatever. Or eats like only a few things. Mm-hmm. And she, she was very much ate like that kind of kid and she was like 30 something. Um, so that was pretty surprising to see, but yeah, everyone had very different experiences with food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was it being there only eight hours a day? Like, did they ask you about? That's rude. It's okay. Um, it'll be they... good in the podcast. Do what? It'll be good in the background of the podcast. <laughs> if they can hear it. Um, yeah. <laughs> did they ask you about your behaviors on the weekend? Yeah. Every every day you come in in the morning, there's a little sheet that you have to fill out. That's, um, like, what is your scale of ten? Uh, suicidal. Uh, ideation level Mm. have you and then you circle which of these behaviors have you participated in in the past 24 hours Mm -hmm. or over the weekend it's like binge eating uh like obsessive exercise Mm. different like weighing yourself counting calories counting this blah blah blah, Mm -hmm. all sorts of things down the line and so you'd voluntarily say what you did and a lot of people had you couldn't really have any behaviors they're called at program because you're constantly sort of under surveillance and you can't leave the table. You get like three strikes for not meeting your numbers or your points. Mm. And then if you don't finish your meal, you got to eat this like nutrition shake thing that supplements for all the calories or whatever. Uh. And so if you have to do that repeatedly, then you go, you like have to have a talk with people or whatever and figure out if you need a higher level of care and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, most people do their behaviors at night. So this was like the morning program. There's the AM and then there's the PM, which most people want the PM generally because that's when behaviors usually occur yeah. is at night when you have the least control. So the morning was kind of chill because you show up and you're pretty tired and you're like, I'm not going to binge. I have no fucking intention to binge. <laughs> For me, when I first showed up, I, I'm like very success oriented. And like I was mm-hmm. there, I was like, I'm about to beat this shit. I'm about to fucking yeah. get past this. So I actually never really... It's basically as soon as I showed up, I never had any behaviors. I still had all like the mental aspects mm-hmm. of it and the ruminating and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was trying to break down. But I surprisingly, even surprised to myself, didn't have any of those behaviors as soon as I started. What did those, what did the uh, health healthcare practitioners or mm-hmm. whatever they're called, what did they say about um, your psoriasis and like, did they care that what you were eating could be no. causing inflammation? No. I, I was so upset, too. Really? <laughs> yeah. They only cared about, like, your eating and then, like, your mental and emotional well-being. They didn't yeah. care about, like, the psoriasis or anything. I mean, they considered it, and they valued my emotional attachment to the psoriasis. Mm-hmm. At that point, it was mostly gone. It's still it's kind of at the point that it is now because I had, like, a second bout of it. But um, I, after every bite that I'd eat when I first showed up, I was like, scan down with my forearm be like is it getting worse or is it coming Mm, back yeah and they noticed that pretty heavily and i communicated that i was like yo i'm so scared for this shit to come back if this ever comes back i'm gonna be so scared 
I'm so scared to eat all the stuff you guys are feeding me. And be like, okay, okay, okay. And I still <laughs> and I still had all the fears around constipation and stuff coming back. Um, or actually, I was trying to have it go away. It was still occurring. And so the main dietitian worked with me on that stuff for a while and was like, you got to trust that your your gut and like your pooping is basically attached largely to your emotions and to mm. what you're eating. So you have to trust the process and just keep eating. If you have like a day without a bowel movement, it's okay. And if you feel bloated, it's okay. And they were just like pumping me full of food. Yeah. I've never eaten so much in my life. And I was like, I'm so stuffed. I cannot eat all this goddamn shit yeah. that make me eat. But it's interesting how like during your binge episodes, like you probably did eat like a lot, but not like you probably weren't used to it in a normal like balanced sitting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of compensating for the lack of food I was getting elsewhere because I was kind of, uh, I was trying to be smart about my eating disorder when I had it. So I would like, be like, okay, so I can't eat you know, grains and things that are a little bit more calorically dense. Mm-hmm. So I'm eating just like fruit, vegetables, and meat. So I'm going to have to eat a lot more of this. And it turns out, I don't know, but you can binge basically anything. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd be eating way, I mean, I'd be eating huge salads and stuff like that, um, thinking that that was a better way to go. But you can basically have an eating disorder related to any kind of food, which is what I didn't know about. Yeah. And... It, it just, it manifests, eating disorders manifest in many more ways. And I think that's also a male-related thing and why men don't often think that they have eating disorders mm-hmm. is because they don't know enough about eating disorders. Mm. You just think if you're like an anorexic chick or if you're like, yeah, it's like the common fucking misconception. Uh-huh. People are like, oh, you can't have an eating disorder if you're fat. It's like, well, okay, <laughs> you just don't know. Yeah, it's definitely behavioral. It has nothing to do with your physical appearance. Like, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm reflecting a lot. Um, so <laughs> I totally understand. Like, you could definitely binge on a salad. I yeah, mm-hmm. definitely done that before because binging <laughs> has nothing to do with the food. It has everything to do with your hunger level and your emotional awareness when you're eating, mm-hmm. um, and your stress level too. Oh my God, we like the stress that you have when you have an eating disorder. It's like not a fun thing. Like it's not mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's. <laughs> mentally exhausting yeah it takes over your world and another thing real quick about hunger you you also lose your idea of what hunger is a lot when you're very absorbed with food Mm. so we had to get a big thing was getting reacquainted with your hunger cues Mm -hmm. because your hunger can be in many different ways it could be like cellular it could be intellectual hunger it could be mouth hunger it could be ear hunger eye hunger stomach hunger all these different ways that people don't know so be like oh i'm not hungry it's like well you don't know what the fuck you don't know if you're hungry or not like, yeah. Cause yeah, that's a really good point. Um, that's something that I'm working on right now. It's honestly going to be a forever learning process. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, am I hungry? Mm, let's like think about it and figure it out. Yeah. Um, maybe take a bite and see how that goes. Yeah. yeah. And then if you're still hungry or if you feel like you're getting hungry, then keep eating. But yeah, that's, um, oh God, something that I think a lot of people don't, don't know about. Um, or we don't talk enough about, um, because also in our diet culture, we've been taught breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like you have to eat that, um, to be normal and whatever. And now there's intermittent fasting and all these other things. It's like, Oh God, watch out. Like you don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to really fuck you over in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. so I want to talk about like, okay, you, 
the last time I saw you or like one of the last times we were hanging out, you mentioned OCD. Mm. Um, oh, I actually had a statistic that I wanted to read. Mm. Dude, you come prepared. I know. This is good. <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to read some statistics before we keep going because I found these very interesting. They're from the National Eating Disorder Association. Association? Um, <laughs> okay, so approximately 40% of people with binge eating disorder are men. Um, and that's like a lot. Um, and then three out of 10 people who are looking for weight loss treatment have binge eating disorder which is interesting because you would think like, oh, if you're trying to lose weight, like you have control over your food. And it's like, actually, you probably don't. Like you're probably restricting too much and then binging later on. Um, And then uh, 79% of people with binge eating disorder meet criteria for at least one other psychiatric disorder. Mine was anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like I know you mentioned OCD. Did that come before the food or did that come with it or did you feel like you had any like other things going on that caused um your behavior or was it just like i have acne and i hate it (laughs) um i mean i'd been diagnosed with anxiety several years ago before that um didn't think too much of it i mean anxiety is kind of anxiety it's not i don't really think it's necessarily a diagnosis but Mm -hmm. um the first week that I got to the program and met with a psychiatrist, she diagnosed me with OCD. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? I had no idea. And it made a ton of sense because I've had lots of different obsessive periods throughout my life mm-hmm. that I had no idea were actually classic cases of OCD. But she was like, oh, yeah, this is common obsessive compulsive disorder stuff. And your food is a large part of that. And the way you approach food is a large part of that. And she prescribed a bunch of medications for that too as well. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not taking any medications. <laughs> Fuck medications. I said that for about three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, so also they did a study on, I'm like really into research. I'm really mm-hmm. into research. Um, but they did a study on 2,500 patients and, uh, 97% of them had co-occurring conditions. So like a psyche or a mood disorder, or substance abuse or anxiety disorder, and 56% of them had OCD. And mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting because it is yeah. like an obsessive compulsion. Yeah, but I also, I really do not like mental or psychiatric diagnoses because mm-hmm. it, it kind of tells people that's the root problem is mm-hmm. your diagnosis. Yeah. But it's not like a diagnosis is a is something, a name you put to a pattern of behavior mm-hmm. internally, like psychologically yeah. or phys- physically. So like obsessive compulsive disorder is a man-made concept. It's not like something yeah. that exists in nature. So you have you become obsessive, you become super anxious, but that's not like your your resting nature. Yeah. Some people are super extreme. So yeah, you might have schizophrenia or bi- like bipolar or some shit. Yeah. But it's not in any way good, in my opinion, to let that define you and and you kind of attribute all your problems to mm, that. Yeah, some people kind of get lost in it and they're like, "Oh, well, I'm anxious. I have, I'm depressed. Like yeah. this is why I am the way that I am." Like, yeah. yes, you get anxious and yes, you Feel have depressed. obsessive ways and you get yeah. depressive ways, but that doesn't mean you like have depression or have anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might have it for a long time, and yes, you like. Yeah. Not trying to discredit anyone's emotions here, but no, I know. No, but that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, it just kind of like crams people into a box. 
Yeah. And you studied psychology in school. Yeah. Which is hyper, you know, they're very eager to diagnose things and put labels on things. Yeah. I actually mentioned in the podcast today that went live, I like told my therapist, don't diagnose me. Like, I don't Mm want to hear it. Like not even with my eating disorder. I was like, I don't want to know what label you're going to put on me. I already know my behaviors. I've done all the research. Like I fucking know. Um, I don't want to hear about it, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, how was studying psychology during this time? Like, did you guys talk about eating disorders? Because I didn't, I'd studied nutrition and we never spoke about eating disorders. So it's like, who the fuck does speak about eating disorders? Because someone's got to, you got to fall off the deep end before you learn about it or something. I guess so. That's really weird that they didn't talk about it in your program. Well, I, they might've done it in the last, like, so I switched majors from dietetics to business and industry. Like I think my second semester of senior year. So they might've talked about it in the last few classes in your Mm -hmm. senior year, but that's still not enough. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. But you didn't talk about it in psychology. It might've come up as, you know, another mental health Mm -hmm. problem, but nothing super extreme. Um, no, it never really came up. I mean, anxiety and that kind of thing came up with, I took some classes around mental health and that sort of stuff, but I really didn't know much about eating. I was in the same boat as most other people, especially most other dudes. Mm-hmm. We're like, anorexia and bulimia. That's an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And a, a dude can get it, but it's rare. Yeah. Um, okay, wait. You said binge eating disorder and, oh, I guess orthorexia. I, for some reason, I like keep tying orthorexia with overexercising, and like that's not like uh, just because that's how I was, but that's not mm-hmm. the case for everyone. Um, how were your friends like during all of this? What did they think about everything? Um, it was kind of cool to see their response. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them were kind of like, they felt like they were kind of walking on, uh, thin ice when they were around me mm-hmm. during the time. And I'm like, yo, what can I, like, what can I say? What can I not say? Mm-hmm. And one of my best friends, actually, it's kind of funny looking back, but he was a total dick about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd be like, dude, do cause he's super at the time was like very body focused for himself. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, I'm trying to lose weight, man. Like, I'm God, I feel like I'm so fat. Look, uh, no, I'm not Look at all those fatties over there. Like, I'm not going to go eat that shit. And I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I've told you so many times. And then he'd be like, dude, I, you can't just keep me from saying anything. Blah, blah. But for the most part, everyone's pretty good about it. And they were open ears to learn. That's and so nice. Yeah, Aww, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and like, what was I going to say? Damn. <laughs> I lost it. Um, I can talk. You can think. Okay. You can talk. <laughs> you can talk. I'll think. No. Um, I don't know what I'll, I don't know what to fill the time <laughs> with. But um, what was I going to say? Oh. Well, <laughs> I will say having an eating disorder as a male is kind of cool because like, girls want to talk about it you know so i'm like oh yeah <laughs> i hate you <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's a thing yeah it is a thing i like literally I think, huh i'm just a lot of those like hyper masculine dudes in the gym who are constantly trying to create that amazing body and everything i think they would be much better off just accepting the fact that they have an eating disorder and going to talking to the girls about it instead of trying to like create this perfect body sculpted thing <laughs> you're so right like they're cr- cramming the creatine and like yeah. whatever, whatever other shakes and stuff they're eating and supplements to try and like get a certain way. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Good segue there. Um, I wasn't going to ask this, but I'm, I now want to know. So like, God, actually, you know what? Just throw it out there. Anything. It's all good. Whatever you got. So when we started hanging out, um, that was like, I immediately felt comfortable because I was like, I don't have to be a certain way around this person. Like they struggled with food. They struggled with eating. We had the same diagnoses, diagnoses, um, and the same behaviors. So like, I didn't have to worry about like hiding it or like, Oh, how am I going to bring this up to like this person? Um, so how has that like affected your relationships? And this doesn't have to be romantically, but just like in general, um, because I know for me, like you made me feel really comfortable because I was like, Oh, I can just like be myself Mm -hmm. like recovery and all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I think it's helped a lot. It, I, yeah, it's helped a ton. I remember I was with this girl for a brief time before going to eating disorder program. And I, I just remember I was, in my head, I was just like swirling. I was eating all this crazy shit. I was eating canned fish for breakfast and like at different times and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was super embarrassed about the way I was eating because it was so strange. I was working in an office. People would be like, what the fuck is your lunch? Like some oh, salad God. with chicken liver or whatever. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I know it's pretty gross, but like, I'm doing it. And I was ashamed of what I was doing. And then it also made me project a bunch on other people as far mm-hmm. as their food. Um, mm-hmm. Even with like my guy friends too and everything, I, I've kind of transformed a lot around food. And it's it's beyond just the eating sort of stuff. It's kind of just like the energy that I would carry around with me. Yeah. Anytime food was present, I would just become more stressed out in different ways. Mm, yeah. And that would just exude onto other people and then it would just create these bad dynamics and things. Um, And then also, and being around, like having learned a lot about eating disorders and body image and and emotional wellness in different ways, uh, I've become much more aware and in tune with when other people have those issues or when they're struggling with that or just to even like let that slide with someone else, like let their problems be. And be like comfortable with them having those issues and not trying to like change them or not trying to be like, yo, just eat the food or just don't eat the food, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, so I do feel like I kind of have a leg up in that way and it's helped a bunch. Yeah. 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 It's really, um, from a, a woman's perspective, it's, I don't know if embarrassing is the right word, but I mean, now I don't give a fuck. Now I'm like, <laughs> I'm so open about it and I'm proud of myself for being open about it because I never thought that eight years ago, like I would have been able to talk about this kind of stuff with Mm. a dude. Um, but yeah, it's really intimidating, I guess, trying to explain to someone uh, like what you're going through or like the stress that you're having at a meal with someone. Like I remember, Oh my God, whenever a guy would take me on a date, I would be like, I don't want to eat in front of you. Like I wouldn't say it, but I'd be like, Oh my God, this is so scary. Like it was just scary. I just didn't know. I didn't want them to see my behaviors Mm -hmm. or like feel weird about me because of the way that I was acting around food. Um, so yeah, it's refreshing to know that like there are people out there and I'm not saying like you have to be a guy that with an eating disorder to understand a woman with an eating (laughs) disorder, but it does in a way help because you experience it firsthand and like you have that empathy, like you're able to put yourself in, um, another person's shoes honestly we all 
we all have some kind of eating issue. Every single person. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. I've never met one person that like has never had an issue with food. Yeah. I mean, you're eating at least usually three times a day or so. Yeah. So it's not like an alcoholic. You can't really walk away from the food. Yeah. So um, how was your experience going out of treatment? So like that was a couple years ago. Now mm-hmm. you're, you were coming out of it. What did that look like for you? with as far as like reintegrating with going out with friends again and like eating around Mm -hmm. other people um and like what was your behavior like uh I felt pretty confident coming out of it I felt really good about how uh, how much I learned in the program um and I was pretty stoked actually because I could eat everything again Mm -hmm. and I could do all these things and I'd, I'd lost friends probably honestly from not being able to do a lot of stuff I wasn't allowing myself to drink or eat, you know, food naturally brings people together, or yeah. it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty sweet, and I was, like, excited to go out and try those new places and go to different events. And uh, my family, we have, like, a squad of six other families that we do a lot of things with back in Seattle. Uh, a bunch of events, you know, where there's, like, parties with food and everything. Mm-hmm. And during the time of being obsessed with food, it just, I had no concept of the, the social interactions, mm-hmm. I was just hyper-concentrated on whatever food was on that table. Yeah. And I remember, you know, different times, like Halloween party, this party, blah, 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 where I was just, like, scavenging around the party the entire time to try and find food I could eat. And there was mm-hmm. one night where I, like, I would only eat pistachios. I ate, like, five bowls of pistachios because that's the only thing I could eat. And I was just, like, so concerned about how sick I felt. Yeah. And, like, all this shit and that shit. I'm swearing too much. But, uh... I'm gonna. My, sorry, mom. Please don't listen to please, this one. Please, <laughs> please don't. Please don't. Um, but no, coming out of it, it was super cool. I I kind of have settled down as far as being hyper attentive to food, which mm-hmm. is nice. It's, it's definitely a huge relief to not be so focused on it. Um, and my mindset around eating disorders and mental health has changed a lot as a result of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not kind of. It, it's. You kind of, I don't know what the word is, but you uh, you move beyond the, like, just eating disorder stuff, and then you move beyond just the emotional roots of what's happening there, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of at a phase now where I'm more focused on, like, life sort of well-being and how that, like, if, if you get sort of out of control, if you lose your sense of self and what's going on, you're prone to any sort of issue around you or within yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm more kind of concentrated now on just keeping that like consolidated energy. Mm-hmm. And that's what the program taught me a lot about. And so that's, that's kind of like my big takeaway. Yeah. Did you feel kind of like an identity crisis after the fact? Like I was once fixating on food for a year or however long you like had the issue. And now I don't know like what I enjoyed. Did you ever experience yeah. that? Yeah, for sure. I'm like, all right, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Like, my, my mind is so empty. I'm not, yeah. I'm not constantly thinking about five meals ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's super freeing and it's kind of dangerous, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Why'd you say dangerous? I don't know. Cause it's exciting. Well, it's exciting, but it's also having a void there is pretty scary because you're like, oh, shit, what's going to fill that void? Like, what's yeah. going to come in next? 
Yeah, that's why I don't do drugs because I'm like, I'm, this is totally transparent. I'm like scared <laughs> that I'm going to like somehow end up an addict because I know yeah. that my, I know my like addictive tendencies like when it came to food and I'm like, oh my God, I just don't. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I can relate. I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, also a big part of that, um, so that I went on medication through that time. You know I was on medication. But Are you not on it anymore? No, nah, freaking completely off. Nice. As of like a week ago. <laughs> so I'm over here trying to kill myself. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. But, <laughs> but um, Did you say you're not or you are? No, I am. Oh, no. I'm no. just kidding. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. But the the meds, in my experience, the meds definitely doled me down. And I tried different ones. And, you know, and they make me much more like even keeled, which is kind of what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But that's so against my moral ethics, life living policy. Mm-hmm. So my, uh, like the meds definitely took away a bunch of the anxieties around it. But simultaneously, if you're learning through, you know, a program such as any sort of program or whatnot, the idea is you're, you're, you want to be able to like progress as far as you can and let the meds kind of be your guide rails for that. And then mm-hmm. ideally you should be able to come off these psychiatric medications yeah. and be able to, you know, stand on your own. Yeah. That's amazing. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah. So now I get to feel <laughs> what a normal human feels like again. And yeah. Now you have emotions. Pretty scary. <laughs> pretty f- freaking scary. I'm not hating on you. You said yourself, you're like, I feel like I don't have emotions. So yeah, I'm it sucks. To say that. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> um, all right. So Wait, I want to look at what I wrote down. Yeah, what you got on that list there? Uh, Do you purposely also uh, face the, the laptop towards yourself so the guest is like surprised by whatever comes next? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I don't. Did you want to see it? I'm just curious as to like what's on the computer right now. It's my Google Doc. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it would just be overwhelming for them to That's look true. at it. Yeah. Unless it's distracting when I'm no, it's, look at it. No, it's all good. It's just... Okay, cool. No, that's good. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to know about where you're at right now with like intuitive eating and how you approach food now and also like with psoriasis, like still being mindful. Like are you still mindful of the foods that you're eating because you know that it could cause a flare-up mm-hmm. or are you like, okay, I know that maybe gluten will cause a flare-up, but – I'm going to have it and then just like deal with the aftermath. Like what does that yeah. look like? So, so I had for the listeners had another outbreak of psoriasis last year. Um, cause I had strep throat and then broke out a bunch of psoriasis. I was like, why the fuck is this happening? This was not supposed to ever happen again as long as I'm pooping every single day, but it did. And then I was like, all right, well I can't change my diet. So that's not going to be an option this time. So I tried, you know, breath work, different things and resting and doing this and that. Um, spoke to like this prominent herbalist woman over the, like I was, when I was woofing out in Bastrop, there's this herbalist woman named Susan, Susan Weed who's got all these books about mental or just like overall health and herbs and living in the naturalistic sort of holistic approach to things. And she's mm-hmm. got a podcast where you can call in, ask her questions. And I called in and I was like, Hey, yo, I've had psoriasis, super bad outbreaks do you know anything about this and what the sort of holistic approach to that is besides immunosuppressant drugs? Mm-hmm. And her basic 
gist of her response to that was that psoriasis is a response of your body when you're wired tired, like when a toddler's running around, they're exhausted, mm-hmm. but they keep on just like running around, blah, 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 blah. So your body is exhausted, but yet you you keep on like pushing it farther than it needs mm-hmm. to go. And so your, your skin's kind of like screaming out at you that it needs to be, it needs to rest. Slow down. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, right now, and I, I also asked her, I was like, okay, so I've recently, much to my own apprehension, been trying to figure out if there's anything food related that's causing the psoriasis. So I did some tests and self studies mm-hmm. and isolated eggs. Did we talk about this before? Mm, no. No? Okay. So I would eat eggs when I got to Austin and was like very, when the psoriasis was still pretty heavy eat eggs, and then for the next three, four days, the psoriasis would get worse, and then it would subside. And then I'd try eating eggs in a different form, whether it be, like, baked in something or, you know, just Oh, yes, because I had you try the, um, or I gave you some of my vegan banana bread or whatever, and you were like, what was in that? I was like, oh, my God, oh, I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, like, yeah. there was nothing in it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, I mean, I thought it was eggs, so I've been kind of just generally avoiding eggs. I've still noticed a slight response from when I eat eggs, but mostly at this rise, it's just like scars now. But um, as far as mindful eating um, nowadays, I, I just see like the skin stuff, the gut stuff, whatever. Um, it's, it's influenced by much more than just what I eat. Mm. And so if I'm, if I'm concentrating heavily on food, then that's going to make me unhealthy in a different way. It's just going to, like wherever there's a pressure point is going to create this sort of unhealthy response somehow. Yeah. So I got to kind of just f- keep a constant focus on like all aspects of my well-being. Yeah. And rest is pretty goddamn yeah. significant for all that. <laughs> I mean, that's what health is. It's from a holistic standpoint. Yeah. Like you, it's not just and I also talk about this in the one that went live today, but um it's not just what you look like and how much you weigh. And your BMI, it's your mental, your emotional, your social, um, even financial. Like, are you financially okay? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, that causes a lot of stress and like, that's not good for your health. So that's really good. I'm mm-hmm. happy for you. I'm happy Thanks. that you found a, a place of like equilibrium. Um, I wanted to ask any advice. Do you have any advice for someone who, especially men, who might be dealing with like, body image issues or like you struggle with acne and you're really self-conscious about that. Um, I would like, I'm curious to know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, it's hot, hard to offer advice when you don't know what some, someone's specific problem is. Yeah. Like if someone a- doesn't ask for advice, it's hard to give advice. Yeah. But, um, for men, um, I mean, it totally depends on what their specific concern is. Okay, but like, okay, um, all right, body image. Uh huh. Like, if they're actually, I don't know how to make this more specific. Um, well, you could. I mean, if you want to talk about how men a lot, there's like a common theme theme of men wanting that sort of perfectly lean, sculpted ish body, not too yoked, but like not too chubby. They don't want the dad bod, mm-hmm. and they want like the tight muscles, whatever. And there's a lot of dudes who go to gyms. I fucking hate gyms. And Same. <laughs> yeah. This is the worst. Unless you actually really, really joy. care about lifting a weight up and down 
for two hours a day and paying for a gym. But um, for those dudes, I there's something there that makes them want to do that. And mm-hmm. people will say, like, oh, I want to be strong. I want to look good. And it is natural to want to look good. Mm-hmm. It is, it, I guess, like survival, right? Like you want to attract a mate. You just want to like- fuck. Like, <laughs> it, you just want to increase your odds of reproducing. Yeah. It's understandable. That I think that's also what's one of the toughest things about body image is that, especially with guys, because guys are like, oh, yeah, like, you can talk about sex and, like, like you want to fuck. And that's it's so much more chill for guys to talk about that and how they you, you can kind of carry that persona. Like, yeah, I'm just trying to do whatever I can to fuck. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to look good and I want the hot girls, blah, blah, blah. And, like, like yeah, it's messed up, but there's a weird line that is unknown between like, okay, well how much of life should you actually care about Mm -hmm. looking good, feeling good, being healthy and looking attractive. And then how much of it do you like want to throw that aside and just be whatever? Yeah. I mean, if you listen to Joe Rogan, he'll talk about Lizzo and be like, that bitch, (laughs) she is not healthy. She is not healthy. (laughs) <laughs> she should not look like that. And that is not cool. And we should not be promoting that because mm-hmm. that's an unhealthy body. Yeah. So you'll get both sides of the coin like that. I didn't know he says that. That's kind of a hot take. I know. It's kind of a hot take that I think if some of my friends heard that, they'd be like, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, ooh, that's, that's, that's interesting. I mean, you can see where they're coming from, though, if you go down that sort of logical rabbit hole of being like, well, yeah, scientifically, that's not a healthy thing to do. But you kind of have to define for yourself where you, where you want to be, quote unquote, healthy in your life. Yeah. Have you heard of health at every size? Yeah. For yeah. Sure. The, like the Hayes movement. I, who I strongly <laughs> believe <laughs> that um, Lizzo and Kelly Clarkson and whoever else has like spoken out about having eating issues and weight gain in the in the um, forefront of the public eye. They. If they really and truly are happy in their bodies, then I think they're healthier than people who are like the Kardashians who are constantly morphing themselves to try and fit or like create a new standard for women. Um, I honestly wonder if like Lizzo and those people are better off because they're not, they don't have that same obsession. And um, yeah, uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. (laughs) No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely much more a uh, fan of the the Lizzo mentality. Yeah, you were just talking so, about Joe Rogan. So, well, I'll, I'll just mention. No, no, you mentioned it. No, no, no. That's, I'm not accusing you. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's super mainstream and has a huge male audience. Yeah. Who supports that kind of view? Yeah. So now they're all probably gonna go comment on her pictures and be like, "That fat bitch." Da 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 da. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, let's take our like, let's take a little check here. And- but oh, also, man. but also, why does that matter to you? Why do you care about what someone else looks like? Yeah, like, it's it's all projection at the end of the day. It honestly, like, all comes down to what is going on in your own heart and in your own head. Like, yeah. why are you so obsessed with not only yourself but like with everyone else around you? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel kind of bad for people like that, but I also was there, so I understand. Like, I used to body check myself all the time, not mm-hmm. only myself but everyone around me. And uh-huh. see, like, how do I compare to them? Um, it's natural, even though it shouldn't be. It is. Yeah. It's I also mean, learned behavior. Yeah. There's a lot of it can come from parents. <laughs> from parents? Yeah. That's a common theme that I saw 
in program. Just a lot of people had parents who were terrible influences on them as mm. far as body shaming and stuff like that. Um, but my friend, the guy who was like ignoring my request to not talk about certain things related mm-hmm. to food when I first came out, we had many conversations about body image stuff. Cause he's like, why, why would I not want to look good? Why would I not go to the gym and eat certain ways so that I look good? Like I'm trying to, like, I want to look good. So I, I want to get the attention of hot girls. Very simple there. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. Basic equation. I was like, but bro, how many girls do you need? It's like, you know, when people say, oh, you got to go to college to keep your, keep your doors open, keep possibilities open. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you only need to walk through one door. You only need one person if, you know, you're monogamous. Maybe you're polygamous. Maybe you want some more. But, like, you don't need to get the attention of everyone, nor do you need to really – I was like, you don't want to live a life where maybe you're with a partner and you feel like every day you have to perform for them. Mm. That's a horrible life to live. I would rather be by myself wearing, like, loose clothing than with someone who expects me to, like, look a certain way and and I have to work hard every single day for that. Yeah, that's so, a really good point. I think about, um, you know, my friend, we have similar friendships there, who is also like, I almost called her a, a crackhead, but I meant like gym head, like the equivalent of like crackhead <laughs> with like the gym. Um, no, I love her. She's come a really long way. But um, I often thought about that, like with her and her dating life, because I was never really into dating. I mean, I am, but I'm like, eh, if it happens, it happens. Um and I would look at like her relationships and like the guys that she was with and they were also really attractive and like built and muscular. And it's like, it, it, it's a two way street, I think. And it's really hard to keep up because then it's like, you're constantly checking each other in the relationship. And I don't know if that's authentic. Um, I don't know. That's like totally unrelated though. No, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> that's related, but it's like, meh. What? yeah, it can create some pretty toxic dynamics. Yeah, but, because if you're meeting and you're forming a relationship based on, oh, you're hot, cool, you're hot too, let's date, then it's like, okay, well, is there more than that? And then what happens if I lo- if I gain 10 pounds? Or yeah. What happens if, like, I don't know, I lose my muscle definition, then are you still going to like me the same? Yeah. I mean, these are things that I was sort of first introduced to, realizing that I had them in me when I first got the program, where I'd, I'd ask people, be like, yo... I don't like to be completely frank. I was like, I don't know how people are okay with being bigger bodied. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how people can still maintain confidence that way. Cause I feel like I would be so sad if I put a bunch of weight on and I feel like worthless. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's a common thought. So like, that's okay. Well, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then I was also like, how do people feel? I was like, I don't feel attracted to people who are of certain body sizes is, is that bad on me? Should I work on that? Mm-hmm. And one of the therapists I talked to about that was like, well, you know, y- you also have certain preferences. Yeah. Just because you may not like people f- that look a certain way doesn't mean that like you need to adapt to find that attractive. Mm-hmm. People find many different bodies attractive. And also people don't care about bodies sometimes nearly as much as other people. And me i find i've i don't know why it is but i've always kind of been like very much into appearance mm-hmm. and that's, that's also i mean you could dive in deep into that and be like well why do you care so much about appearance mm-hmm. i care about my appearance mostly and then about other people's appearance and then just like about appearance in general 
So I don't have the answer to that. I don't have like a firm conclusion as I haven't broken down to be like, I not like I don't care about what I look like and don't like I don't care about what other people look like, but I, I was always in that boat of like I want to look as good as possible because I want to keep as many doors open as possible because mm-hmm. I want as many people as possible to be obsessed with me. Yeah, and that kind of voice is always there, but it's just like how much am I going to listen to it and how loud is it? Yeah, I mean that's fair. I think that's like every so like being in my position or in someone similar to me that's like our worst nightmare, I think, um, especially when you have like dealt with an eating disorder and you are, I talk about this with my podcast with Allie, um, my friend that's an eating disorder therapist and like becoming or being uncomfortable in like your new body, quote unquote new body, because like the body that you had when you had an eating disorder was not sustainable. Like that body was only was only lasting because you were partaking in horrible behaviors, the behaviors that were not balanced, that were not normal. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. And I think that's like, I guess that could go both ways too. I think, I mean, girls are always after like the hottest guy and, um, I don't know. I I don't really know how my mindset has changed on that. I just, I don't think I care about anyone anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's scary. It's scary hearing that like, oh, because you might look a certain way, like you might not be approached by someone, but at the same time, like maybe you shouldn't want someone like that. Like you shouldn't want someone who is only going for you because you look a certain way. Um, And in comes the dating apps which relies solely on not only like what you look like, but the photo of what, what mm-hmm. you look like. Yeah. Which is horrible. Yeah. Well, I think we're also, ex- especially our generation is extremely starved of options. Mm-hmm. Cause we don't meet people. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to fall in love with someone based on their Tinder profile. Yeah. You got to meet people in person. And if you, this is a point I was trying to make like three, not since any anyhow the, the like if you meet someone who's a body an appearance that you're not necessarily super attracted to most people can agree that they've had experiences where like someone becomes more or less attractive based on the personality mm-hmm. if you meet someone who's a body that you're not super attracted to and they have a personality that you're not super attracted to like it's a no-go mm-hmm. but if they you know if so if you meet someone who has a body that they don't like, and they're like super down on themselves and everything. And say you're someone with an eating disorder and body image issues, and you find that people are not attracted to you, you're not doing yourself any help by like making yourself feel bad about yourself. Mm, yeah. So if if you if you want to take it from like the logical approach of reproduction and why humans are attracted to each other, you're, you're like. If you want to actually become re- like reproductively attractive, whatever our pri- whatever our like you know primal instincts are, mm-hmm. you should want to feel good because that's that's like you know, yeah does many things for you at one time yeah beneficially. Oh man, I want to I gotta think about that because th- there's so much that I could say, but I want this to be encouraging, and I, I don't <laughs> want I don't want someone who is struggling especially like I think if you said that if we were having this conversation about eight months ago 
or even like a year ago, I probably would have gotten really upset and I probably would have been like, great. Now I got to fucking diet again because this person is saying that like, I don't know. I probably like would have somehow taken that personally. Um, only because like, I don't know, again, like there's this beauty standard that, um, I don't know. There's a lot I could say there, but at the end of the day, like you're not everyone's cup of tea and it doesn't matter. Like you're not meant to be everyone's cup of tea. I don't know why I'm saying cup of tea. That's the first thing that came to my head, but, um, <laughs> well, like, okay. so what, when you've experienced like your height of eating disorder stuff, do you, do you, have you were able to like articulate why you wanted a different body shape? Or size or look or appearance or whatever why i want oh it was like to be more attractive is that what you're asking like why i wanted to look different yeah yeah and well, i mean was it yeah like what did you want to be more attractive to like i like i wanted guys to like me more and i wanted yeah. to be accepted by my family and i wanted to be accepted by my coaches like i wanted to be the strongest person i wanted to be the fastest person like there was always someone that i was trying to prove myself to um so I guess that that's interesting like as you're on the journey of recovery trying to balance between we're trying to find the balance between like doing what's best for you and being happy with yourself but also like I don't want to say meeting the needs of others but God, this is hard. This it's is super hard. Yeah, it is because it's like, uh, it's kind of like when I when I was in program, one of the biggest things I started doing was not looking in any mirror whatsoever. Mm, yeah, like not at all. And I was like, oh, fuck mirrors. Mirrors mm-hmm. suck. The invention of mirrors is terrible. Mirrors and cameras because cameras are mirrors. But like, I was like, I'm not gonna do it because there's no reason to even care what I look like. And I started voicing that to the professional team whatever care therapist whatever and we broke that down and it's at there's no clear answer but i was like well why should i need to look in a mirror and care anything about appearance if mm. appearance doesn't matter and that and there was no like serious conclusion or answer to that yeah but that's what, i'm still something that i ponder all the time so i'm like well i want to look good i want people to be attracted to me but like uh, what what line am i supposed to draw in the sand about how much I can or can change or should or should change or should even want to change. Oh man. Well, when I get married, I'll let you know what (laughs) I have come to the conclusion. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, there's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. Um, and also, okay. I should probably stop ranting, but no, what were you going (laughs) to say? I'm, I'm curious. I was going to say there's a, a thought that comes up in my head about a desire for having someone who's like hundred percent, with no possible any other opinions, it's just like 100% obsessed with you. Mm-hmm. It's like some ultimate desire. And just that thought alone kind of makes me scared because I'm like, that, I should not, I don't want to think that. I don't want to ever aspire for that. I don't want to let that be thought in my head. Like someone being obsessed with you? Yeah, like no matter you would what. Because you said, like, oh, I'll let you know when I'm married, when mm-hmm. I found someone who's like 100% undeniably mm-hmm. into me, no matter what happens. Oh, so you don't want to get married? No, I'm not talking about marriage. <laughs> it's just a scary concept. Marriage or the idea that like someone loves you for who you are no matter what? Yeah, that to kind of put that's a lot of weight to put on a relationship. It's for someone to be like, I love who you are 
I love if you'll change. I love the way you look, and I love the way you'd look if you were different. Yeah, but isn't that beautiful, though? It is beautiful. Like, my dad married my mom when she was a model, and my mom <laughs> is not a model anymore. <laughs> what you saying about your mom? <laughs> no, my, my parents are both beautiful, but, like, oh, God. And that go, kind of goes back to, like, our friends that are crackheads, gym yeah. heads. <laughs> um, they, like, if you're dating someone based on appearance, where's the substance? Is it mm. going to last? Probably not. And then if you do change physically, then what are you left with? So that kind of like puts me back in check. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of change that needs to happen in society in order for more of these conversations to be normal. Um, uh, God, there's like a lot there. You just, you just uh, opened a can of worms <laughs> in my brain. Um, okay, kind of wrapping up here, there are two things I wanted to ask. No. Okay, first, what are three things you're grateful for? Mm. Off the top of your head. Um, I'm really grateful for how my body still works. I can still move and like be athletic the way I am. Mm-hmm. I'm really... Hoping that stays for a while because I just like to move a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I am grateful for. Um, also, what I gotta ask, what is the point of those straws? I'm always curious. Why are you hating on my stainless steel straws? <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm like, why? Is it just because it's a permanent straw? It's better than plastic and you can use it over and over again? Um, I enjoy drinking out of straws. Okay. Um, and yeah, I guess like I don't use plastic straws. I just take these with me. Really? You take Mm -hmm. them in public? I have one in my purse. I have one in my backpack and then I have all the ones in my drawer. Okay. Just have it now. I got you. I went like super environmentalist one year Mm -hmm. and I like was like, fuck single use plastic. And God, (laughs) I, now I just do what I can. It killed me whenever the power went out and the water went out and I I have like 30 plastic bottles in my cabinet and I'm stressed about it because I'm like, (laughs) what do I, I've never had that many plastic bottles. Not in the last, like Mm. at least two and a half years. Like, I don't know what, like recycling does nothing. Okay. Anyways, we're not going (laughs) to, I want to know three things you're grateful for. It just Um, goes to China. Yeah, emotion. something. Um, I'm grateful for comedy and the ability to make people laugh and find things funny. If I didn't have comedy, I don't, I don't know how I would live. Um, you wouldn't. I would not. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be done. Um, and third thing, I am grateful for the support of people around me because one of my biggest fears in life is to be completely isolated from other people. Mm. So, um, especially actually since coming off the meds as of a week ago or as I've been weaning off of them, I actually feel emotions stronger so I can, I can feel myself like swaying in different ways. Mm. It's super nice to talk to someone familiar and just like feel that connection, that emotional support net. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was on meds, I like didn't really have a concept of like what lucky me that's when i met you i'm just (laughs) i was still there i was still it feels i feel like guilty and bad for being on meds because it was like you shouldn't it was just a part of your process literally like imagine how your 
therapy and treatment would have been if you weren't on meds. Yeah, I don't know. But um, anyways, yeah, <laughs> thank those you are for my, sharing those. Those are my three me. things. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before I wrap this up? Yeah. Was that the final thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I okay. didn't want to ask the other question. I think oh, you already shit. did ask the other question. Okay. okay. Um, what, uh, what, what do you enjoy about doing this podcast? What do I enjoy about doing this podcast? Mm-hmm. Mm, I enjoy getting to know people on a deeper level and I enjoy um, exploring my curiosity because I find people really interesting and I like being able to ask them whatever I want. <laughs> uh, granted, I do try and give them a script and I'm like, hey, kind of going to be asking you these things. Um, yeah. And like, I think my biggest mission and my biggest, like my purpose for doing this is to... Um, I still haven't perfected my elevator pitch yet. Or what is it called? Elevator speech? Elevator pitch. Yeah. Elevator pitch. Um, I, yeah, I guess I just want to like talk about things that people don't normally talk about and normalize a lot of conversations that should be had and they're not. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So like when you're actually in the moment, this is kind of something I'm struggling with right now with my podcast. So like I don't necessarily enjoy the actual conversation sometimes because mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's going to sound good. And like I'm just saying the right thing so that it'll sound good to a listener. Mm-hmm. But the, in the moment, I'm like, what do I actually enjoy about this like face-to-face conversation? What am I getting out of this? Yeah. Do you Are you able to like find that so far in your podcast experience? Like, do I find it enjoyable? In the actual doing process? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's because I... I do with intention um Mm -hmm. that was one of when i was whenever i was writing about and this was two years ago whenever i thought about wanting to start a podcast i wrote like if i ever do it i want it to be intentional like i want to intentionally choose the guests i want to intentionally choose the topic with them and like create a space for me and the guests my foot just went numb to um talk about like what what they want to discuss and so from there, I'm, I'm all in. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great because mm-hmm. I have someone that's really passionate about what they're talking about and I'm really passionate about anything that you're passionate about. So it's like really easy to keep a conversation going. But I think that your podcast is cool because it's challenging. Um, I'm not saying that mine isn't challenging, but like I'm like setting myself up for success in a way. Like I'm picking the people with intention I know the reason I'm picking them is I normally have a reason like with post Wook, she's my favorite artist. She's an, a recovering addict. She's got a really cool story. I was like, boom, like you're a good guest that I would want to have on. Um, and so I think it just like, I'm setting myself up for success in that way. Whereas you, you just have whoever comes up to you and wants to join and you have to like work with what you got and you have to like somehow keep it entertaining and keep it interesting. Um, but I think that's the beauty of that. And I think it's, I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying out a new setup for the next episode or few. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to be part of it. So I'm just going to like set up two chairs and have it be conversations basically amongst strangers. Mm. So people can just meet each other. I like that. Cause I don't know. I get kind of burnt out of just talking to strangers over and over again. Yeah. Cause it kind of 
don't know. It's I would much rather do intentional pick out the mm-hmm. people and then do it because talking to strangers it, it kind of gets old. I don't yeah, know. it's just I understand because you kind of have like a set of questions like who you are, what's your story, like how did you get here, <laughs> sort of thing, which is not yeah. bad. I mean, everyone has a story to tell, but. I don't think people realize either that when they go and they pick up the mic to talk, like a lot of them probably don't think that they have to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. They're probably just spewing bullshit because they picked up a microphone in the middle of the yeah. park. Yeah. You know? They're like, oh, this is fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, if uh, you are listening to this, you should go te- check out this <laughs> podcast. Uh, is it Jun- Conversation with Strangers or Junior Varsity? The, the brand name is called Junior Varsity okay. now. That's on Instagram. Yeah. And the the podcast is called Conversations with Strangers. Perfect. All right. Yeah. I will plug you in the intro and now people are hearing Sick. it again. What's, what's your signing up? Do we say uh, thank you for having me? And <laughs> Namaste. 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 Is that your thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I mean, yeah, you can say no, your good. <laughs> it's your thing. It's your pod. Okay. You got it? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I don't have an outro, really? but, uh, no, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. Um, and I will see you next week. <laughs>